You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is Ben Wolf, your host, as always. Very happy to have you here today. We're going to be talking with our guest today about four unskippable steps to employee improvement. Before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody please pause for a second here on wherever you are watching or listening to this. Leave a review, comment, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is that the platform is allowing you to do. It's a big help in terms of heightening this podcast on the algorithms, making this content available to more people. So you will be paying it forward by doing that. So I appreciate that. And uh, with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. Uh, she is a fractional COO and integrator. Uh, for a number of years, first through Solution Consulting and now through my own firm, Wolf's Edge Integrators. You can learn more about her on uh, on the firm's website, wolfsedgeintegrators.com forward slash about. And uh, with that, I give you Lisa, Lunfs- Lisa Lunsford. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. And very happy and an honor to have you. And we always get to work together. So I'm, gl- I'm glad, you know, I always get to hear and learn from you and, and uh, your wisdom in our, you know, when we get to getting together every week and in our conversations. Uh, so I'm glad to get to share some of this uh, stuff that, that you've been teaching and talking about recently uh, with, a, with a much wider audience, who I think can really benefit from this because this is a real perennial issue. But mm-hmm. before we get into that, I guess if you could give us some context, like a quick two minute background on, uh, I guess, where you came from, how you got here, and, you know, maybe gives us a little context for understanding the topic today. Sure. Sounds great. So um, like you mentioned, I have a, excuse me, background in consulting, kind of had a varied career. Um, I had a light bulb moment uh, in my career um, a few years ago when somebody recommended I read the book Rocket Fuel. Um, And um, I realized what this book gave me was a word that described what I had been doing throughout my entire career. Um, The word was integrator. So integrator or COO, that person who um, pulls together all the pieces in the business and aligns them. And um, that, that was a really big moment for me because um, I, I had, I had something I could, excuse me, had something I could um, go after now that connected all the dots for me. So um, that led me on my journey to becoming a fractional integrator slash COO, um, where I encounter a lot of um, people and management issues with clients. Um, I've noticed throughout my career, um, you know, as a consultant going into different organizations, um, the way that the organization manages people can have a really big impact on their ability to achieve their goals, um, the culture, the kind of people they can hire, all sorts of things, and um, how they deal with problem employees um, or or dealing with an underperforming employee um, is a pretty good indicator of you know how they how they handle people as a whole and and whether they're going to be successful. Right. Well, that yeah, that is a that is a great context and. So I guess I guess if you could start with I mean if if you could tell me one or two examples or stories kind of that set up the problem or set up the, the <clears throat> challenge of underperforming or quote unquote problem employees. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I had a client um, who was a consulting firm on the East Coast, um, about twenty people, small business, and there were two business partners, um, Jen and Nikki. And they had hired an executive assistant, Tom. 
Now, um, Jen realized pretty quickly on that Tom was not the A plus player she thought he was um, when they hired him. Um, he was maybe a B, B minus. He was he was pretty good at his job, but he just wasn't, you know, delivering that like great experience for her as that executive in the company that she had been hoping for. Um, but her business partner Nikki was happy, so she didn't want to rock the boat. Nikki was happy with Tom's performance; she let it go. But of course, she didn't really let it go, right? It festered. She um, continued just kind of having these little, almost like a ledger in her head, right? Of of all the the ways that Tom didn't quite measure up, and um, this you know took place over a couple of years, and then I, um, I came in as their fractional integrator uh, slash COO, and um, Jen one day had just had enough. I don't remember what the specific thing was that broke. The, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, but she decided that she needed, that Tom wasn't going to work. Tom worked fine with, for Nikki, at, you know, as her executive assistant, but it was not going to work for her. So she decided to hire her own executive assistant um, because she didn't feel empowered to really deal with Tom's performance issues, right? Um, the problem was she didn't tell Tom. Um, she didn't tell the other members of the leadership team. She just went rogue and posted a job description. And uh, Tom found out because he managed Nikki's email for her. And there were all these recruiters pouring in trying to say, hey, we can help you, you know, fill this role. And um, so Tom got pretty upset about that, thought he was being forced out and kind of rage quit um, and did a lot of bad mouthing um, of, of uh, Jen and the organization on his way out to the other employees. Um, and it turns out, that he had realized all along kind of under the surface that Jen wasn't happy with him and felt like he had been mistreated and never given a chance to succeed and always been criticized. And so he had a lot of bad things to say and it mm. created quite a bit of instability in the organization mm. um, as he was leaving a lot of cleanup that they had to do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can't even imagine. And, you know, not, not, not just with the specific role, but with everybody who might've been influenced, uh, mm -hmm. you know, or, or change the culture or change their impression of the two partners because of what happened. Right. Yeah. It, it took a while to figure out, you know, how do we rebuild trust? Right. So you, and is you, this going to happen to my job? Right. Are they going right. to suddenly go hire for somebody and then, you know. Right. 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 Absolutely. You, you talk, one of the things you talk about is a concept of like a bad list. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So um, I don't think that Jen felt empowered to actually deal with the situation and, and really coach and hold Tom accountable to being excellent at his role. So instead, after maybe, you know, correcting an, a mistake here or there, right, dealing with an issue, as it developed into a pattern, um, she just kind of kept that list in her head, that ledger of the ways that Tom was falling short, but she never addressed it with Tom. She never sat down and said, hey, here's this pattern where you're just not quite living up to expectations and I'm concerned about this. How can we help you? Do you need coaching? Do you need training? You know, et cetera. She just kept that list in her head until it got to a boiling point and then she overreacted or overacted um, because she hadn't dealt with it all along, right? It just, it just built up. Right. And so that can create a situation where people are sort of surprised when they get fired. <laughs> right. Right. It, right. It's news if to she them. Had, if, if Nikki hadn't been there, she would have just 
um, fired Tom and he would have been very surprised by the timing. Everyone else in the organization would have been very surprised. Right. Um, so whether or not that, um, that leader feels empowered to actually, um, show that employee to the door, um, or, you know, in this case, finding another employee to kind of be parallel to that employee, um, either way, that's not really dealing with the situation. Right. Right. It, it's, it's kind of afraid, being afraid to address it and then face it head on. Right. So I know that, I mean, let, let's get to the meat of this now. I know that you, you've, you've kind of articulated what, what you found to be kind of like the four steps or what I called in the title, the four unstip, unskippable steps to, uh, to employee improvement. So if you don't mind, like, you know, what are, what are these four steps? Why are they important? Uh, I mean, just like walk us through it. Let's talk it sure. over. Yeah. Um, so step one, and I'll, I'll talk it through kind of in the context of this example too, if that's helpful. Um, step one is, um, addressing individual issues as they come up ad hoc, right? So, um, in this case, if Jen was unhappy with something Tom had done or not done saying, Hey, Tom, you know, I, I noticed this situation occurred. Um, I was expecting this, you did this describing that gap, right? Between what actually happened and what top performance would look like. So that Tom understands that there is a gap and then talking through, um, you know, how do we prevent this next time? Do you understand this expectation? Do you need any training or coaching support? You know, just making sure that, that they're clear, right? I want that this was a mistake or an issue and, and what to do next time. So this is one-off things, right? Um, that's step one. But before we um, even get to step one, I just want to sit on something you said earlier. Okay. That you have to say what happened and say what you expect. Yes. Out loud, not in your Out head. Out loud. Not in yes. your head. You know, what if you think that the mistake is so obvious? What if you think that it's self-evident and only an idiot or a person with malicious, evil, nefarious intent could possibly do something different from what you think is obviously the correct way to do it? And maybe you're right. I don't know. But like, what if that's how you what if that's how you see it, though, is that the mistakes are obvious. You shouldn't have to say it. What if you feel that way? It's funny you should say that because that is far more common of a response than you would think from business owners. Um, they live and breathe their business. This is their expertise. And they don't always realize that employees can't read their mind and um, can't see all these expectations that they haven't spelled out. Um so they need to spell those out. They need to say it out loud and and start from a you know a perspective of assuming positive intent and coming to that conversation with mm. an open mind so they can learn what's actually going on. It's possible that there's malicious intent or that this person is very unqual underqualified for the job. It's also possible you forgot to tell them actually part of your job is being proactive and dealing with these issues before they get to me. I shouldn't have to tell you to deal with them. You need to specify that if that's part of their job. Right. And and maybe part of their job is is knowing that. So once you've explained that, if they're not doing that after that point, then, you know, okay, they're not doing their job. But you have to start by speaking out loud the things that you are assuming in your head. Right. Because again, they're not mind readers. Right. And as and as you said, not just that they're not mind readers, they may not be mind readers, but you'll say, I, the... Problem is so obvious. I, you don't have to be a mind reader. You just have to use common sense. But the other part of the context that you gave was that you eat, sleep, drink, and breathe as the business owner or as the senior leader. You eat, sleep, breathe, and drink this business and understand it more. You also mm -hmm. work with the other 
functional leaders of the business, you understand the much broader context that this maybe lower level person in the hierarchy doesn't have that exposure or doesn't see how all the pieces connect together. Yes, so, exactly. I mean, you just have all this extra context, all this extra knowledge, all this extra caring because, you know, because you're, you're much higher up I and mean, you're more invested. So it's, um, you know, things that are obvious to you, not just because of a lack of mind reading, but just because of a lack of context, a lack yeah. of perspective, uh, you know, a lack of experience, uh, a lack of knowledge, a lack of seeing the interconnectedness of everything. They're just not, not going to see it, not going to know it. Right. And if you don't speak those things out loud and explain it to them, you're not ever giving them a chance to actually succeed. Um, you're kind of dooming them from the start if you withhold right. that that you're information. You're dooming yourself also. You like, are dooming yourself. And we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. We'll okay, get to sorry. that as so we talk through the process. I'll let you continue. Sorry. No, no worries. Um, so yeah. So step one is is um talking about it when those expectations are not being met um for individual issues or or occurrences, right? And this is this is an area that some people struggle with. Some people do okay, um, but again, getting those those expectations clear, spoken out loud, not out of your head. But step two is where people start to really struggle. Step two is when you have to address the pattern that has been developing. So it's not just hey, there's this this situation where you did a thing and I was expecting you and wanting you to do something else, right? It's hey, I've noticed that there's a pattern where when these kind of issues crop up. Um, you are kind of letting the details fall through the cracks and things end up being really last minute or where you're not escalating these issues to the appropriate person so they don't get solved in the right way, whatever the situation is, right? Or you're just not, you're not proactive enough. There's a pattern, right? And it's a little harder to address sometimes because it's not this specific concrete instance, um, but it's really important to talk about it as a pattern and to say out loud, fixing this pattern is essential for performing well at your job. This is an important part of your role to get this mm. pattern right. Mm -hmm. And and then approach it with that employee with an open mindset, kind of a coaching mindset um, to figure out why is this pattern happening and how can we help it not help happen together? How can we work together? So um, at this point, you're not assuming that the employee is a bad employee, that they don't care about their job, that they're bad at their job. Um, that they're trying to, you know, uh, tank your business. You don't want to assume anything here that they're just forgetting, whatever. You want to investigate. It's entirely possible that a pattern has developed because an employee never got the training they needed or because somebody else in the in the organization is withholding information from them. There's like politics internally or um, there's a resource constraint. They're actually doing the job of two people and they cannot do all the things on their plate and you know, some things need to be adjusted in terms of who's doing what. There's right. a lot of reasons that a pattern could happen. And if you come at that with blame, you're not going to get to the root of them and solve it. So this is a coaching conversation while also making it clear that this pattern needs to be fixed. So you're trying to work with them to solve it. Right. And I think, I think that curiosity approach rather than assuming incompetence or bad intent uh, and yeah, that's key to it. I mean, what what happens when you don't? Like, what happens if you do come come at it with kind of assuming incompetence or bad intent? Great question. Um, when that happens, it creates some really big cultural problems within the organization. Um, it it basically makes people feel like the boss is blaming them. Again, you start having you know the the boss has that that 
ledger in their head, that bad list of this employee is annoying me in these ways, right? Um, and people get defensive. They don't want to try something new. They don't want to talk about a mistake they've made. Maybe they even hide it because they know that the boss is immediately going to blame them, even if it's not their fault, even if it's not really a mistake, it just looks like it because the boss doesn't have all the information. Um, and mm -hmm. so it 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 um, creates some negative impacts within the organization that can negatively impact their ability to get the work done, to be successful, to hire and retain the best talent. Right. Okay, that's great. All right. So step two, and how you know, would you say there's a, a appropriate range of like how many times should you try step one with the unique? I mean, with the individual instances, how many times was step two addressing the patterns? I would say. It's less about the number of times and more about looking at that gap between what the performance you need looks like, what that expectation is. And sometimes it's helpful to have a conversation um, with the leadership team, um, with HR, if you have HR, um, and spell out what high performance looks like in this role, like really spell it out, right? So what's the gap between that and what the employee is doing? The bigger that gap, the more serious that gap the more urgent the situation. So if you have somebody who is performing, say, 95% out of 100, right? That's a that's a solid A. Um, you're going to probably have more bandwidth to coach that person um, in, in helping them be successful and get to 100% and become a real top performer. Um, if somebody is, you know, a C-minus player, and this is a really crucial role in your organization, um, you got to deal with that a lot more quickly. You right. got to quickly find out, quickly go through these steps to figure right. out whether they can ramp it up to an A or whether right. it's just not going to work. And maybe at that point, if they're that low, it's just not going to work at all. Um, right. But the bigger the gap, you know, the more urgent the situation. Right. More aggressive the steps mm -hmm. should be, I guess. Uh, look yeah. at. All right. Exactly. So step two, addressing the pattern, again, depending on the situation, you know, would depend on, I guess, the number of times you address the pattern or whatever. So what's after that? Step three is where you start to escalate. Um, the pattern is not getting fixed. You've already talked about it. You've helped, you've coached, you've you know gotten to the root of the issue and tried to solve it. Um, and this pattern is still occurring and it's still causing problems. And you need to have that more serious conversation with that employee where you share with them, you know, hey, this pattern is still happening. We talked about this. We talked about these ways you were gonna address this. We were gonna support you in these ways. But at this point, it hasn't been solved. And um, at this point, your job is on the line. If we can't get this fixed, we're going to have to part ways. And how it's important, important to say that out loud. Is, yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. How important is it to say your job is on the line? If we can't work this out, you know, your job is going to need to go in a different direction. Right. Or whatever, it's, something along those lines. How important is it to say that explicitly? It's like, oh, is that going to demoralize them? Or like, you know, people have all kinds of reasons why they don't want to say that explicitly. Yes, they really do. And saying it explicitly is actually crucial at this step. Um, if you don't say this out loud, the employee doesn't know where they stand. They're going to feel like maybe they're not quite succeeding in the way you wanted to, but they might feel kind of a level of safety because you haven't addressed it with them yet. Um, and I know a lot of people are afraid of hurting their employees' feelings right? They don't want to demoralize them. And it's a good thing to care about how other people are receiving that information and take that into account. But if you don't have this conversation with them out loud and share that their job is on the line, you're withholding information that they need. Um, 
And, and I would put it as if you're afraid to have that conversation, you are prioritizing your own comfort over their livelihood because they need to know that they might be out of a job very soon. They need to be job searching or really ramping up their performance or whatever they think is best for them. Um, so that's really important for them to have that well, information. What, what you may see you as the boss in this case may see as a kindness of being a little softer with them is actually cruelty is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, it is. And it's also interesting because, you know, there's a couple of ways this can play out if that boss does not share this, right? They keep it in. So one way is they are successful at holding inside the fact that they're getting really fed up with this pattern and they're about to fire the employee. And then the employee is completely blindsided, um, which then has ripple effects throughout the organization because like, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so just got fired, right? Um, nobody saw this coming. Um, you know, he or she didn't know. And so then everyone else starts questioning, well, I'm, am I going to be next, right? Is this a place, do I need to start job searching? All of your top performers who have lots of options for where to work, they're not going to want to work for a place where they could get, you know, randomly fired at any moment and not know what's coming. Um, and the other way that this can turn out is if that, if that boss or manager holds that information in and doesn't, doesn't share that this person is, is really getting to the point where we're going to seriously consider whether we need to fire them, but it leaks out sideways. And um, that's what happened in my story with Jenna, Nikki, and Tom, right? Because right. Tom, it turned out afterwards, had known all along or felt all along that Nikki was very displeased with him. And it, it created this culture of increasing um, stress for him where he didn't feel respected or enabled to succeed. And that can also negatively impact the organization as well. Right. Awesome. All right. So again, I guess your answer to how many times do you need to talk about like the very serious conversation of, of step three in this process probably depends on the context and the situation. Similarly, you would say? Yes. Um, step three um, is definitely one where if you have an HR department or a fractional HR leader, you want to bring them in. Um, step three is where things start to get really serious, right? Um, and you're going to want to follow whatever um, HR processes that you have established at your organization. So whether that's putting somebody on a performance improvement plan or a you know three strikes you're out policy, whatever that looks like, um, you need to be documenting this. Um, a lot of times that looks like you know you have that conversation with the employee and you are emailing afterwards to summarize it. Um, and again, talk to your HR person about this. There are there are you know best practices for how you handle this. Um, but you want to make sure not to push this conversation off too far into the future because it's uncomfortable or because, oh, it's never quite the right time to start to move towards terminating this employee because they're crucial to the operations. There's never going to be a right time. But if this pattern has continued and it's still a problem and it's not getting fixed and it's impacting your organization, it's better to rip off the Band-Aid, have this difficult conversation and start this process towards seeing them to the door Um so that you can, you know, move on from this. So it doesn't just become this problem that, you know, keeps taking time and energy and causing problems. Right. So what's next? What's after step three? What's next? Well, at this point, <laughs> you know, the employee knows it's pretty obvious what's next, right? Mm -hmm. It's termination. So um, at this point, the employee has been told, hey, you, make, you made some mistakes, step one. Hey, there's a pattern of mistakes. Let's get this right. This is important to doing your job well. Step three, hey, if you don't get this right, we're going to have to part ways. You can't stay in this job. 
So at this point, they they can see this a mile away, right? They maybe have been applying for other jobs. Maybe they've even put in their resignation because they can see the writing on the wall. They know they're going to get fired. Um, but if that hasn't happened, if they haven't left, um, you want to move to termination. And you don't want to move wait too long in between step three and step four. If it's gotten to the point where you have to have a step three conversation about this pattern, it's a pretty serious pattern. So unless they do something pretty drastic to turn this around really quickly, um, you move to step four. And step four, obviously with termination, you're going to want to, again, very much be in sync with HR and with your internal HR policies. Um, you can also consider offering severance depending on the situation. Um, and you're going to want to have a severance agreement of some sort along with that. Talk to HR, talk to legal. Um, releases. That, what'd you say? With releases. Yes, with releases. Absolutely. Um, but that can sometimes help soften the blow um, and um, create goodwill to some degree where there might otherwise be ill will. And that can sometimes be better for the reputation of your business and the internal culture in terms of the impact on the other employees. So that's something to keep keep mm-hmm. in mind. Um, but ultimately, you have that conversation with the employee. It's a hard conversation. It's direct. It's never fun. It's never right. fun to fire somebody. Um, but you need to just you need to just get it done at this point. You can't right. you can't just drag it on because because it's scary. Right. It's a great, it's a great point. I mean, one of the things I think that comes into this is, you know, the difference between, you know, a mistake here and a mistake there that you should be addressing explicitly in step one to termination in step four, the difference between those two things is pretty great. You know, you have individual mistakes and then you have patterns that no matter how explicit, you know, you address it are not being corrected. And then those patterns have an escalated conversation of a three strike rule or whatever, and it's still not being corrected. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a whole spectrum there of severity of what's going on. So, you know, one of the things that's a reality in the, in small and mid-sized businesses is that you have to do a cost benefit analysis. What, you know, what things are, is it worth replacing people about and what things is it not worth replacing people about? And it's just, Hey, you know, B, B plus is, you know, is acceptable or whatever, you know, whatever it is. So, um, how do you suggest people think about kind of the the cost benefit analysis of what issues are going to be acceptable or we're just going to say like, okay, we went to step two, we addressed the pattern. I, I think they're really trying, but it's just like not getting better. Um, and then at that point, is it a question of, you know, is this something that we're just going to live with and stop complaining about? Or is this something that, we're going to continue to escalate to its logical conclusion. You know, I don't know. How do you, how do you suggest people think about that cost benefit analysis of, you know, kind of what's worth going all the way with? Yeah. Great question. And this is one that a lot of companies struggle with. I recommend um, always starting from the big picture. It's really easy to start from. So we have this employee how do we make it work? Can we make it work? What does it look like to make it work? Do we need to let them go? Um, and you need to start with what is this role that this employee is filling? What are the actual expectations that you need filled? What does it look like for the organization for those to be filled really excellently? Um, and, um, you know, is this person a values fit for the organization? Um, what does it look like? You know, all of those things in terms of the big picture, what does it look like for if you had a truly top-notch player in this role, what does that role look like? And look at that first 
and look at what impact that might have on the organization. Just imagine it, right? Spell it out. Then analyze where this employee is at. So you have to start with the goal, mm. right? You have to start with the the desired end, the desired. Why did you even create this role in your organization to begin right. with? Well, right. For what purpose is is this person even in the company, or is this role that the person's filling in the company at all? And it's important to do that because a lot of times, what happens uh, that I've seen is um, somebody brings in an employee. You know, they have a job description, but they realize the employee is really bad at. 20% of the job description. So they just sort of shift the job description, not in writing, but, but in, in reality, right. And right. what this person, so they kind of operate around this person's weaknesses. So and that's not necessarily a, a terrible thing to do. There are situations where that makes sense to do, but you don't want to do that um, reactively. You want to have a strategic, um, strategic decision about that, if that's what you're going to be doing. So you need to actually sit down and think about it or talk about it. If you have a leadership team or a business partner, um, and, and think through what did we originally hire for? Is this structure, uh, you know, the role as structured when we hired this person, the right role, given where we're, we are now, given where things are more headed, um, are there any shiftings that we need to do here in terms of what this looks like? Um, so again, it's always where are you pointed? What's the goal? then looking at the reality and analyzing it, then analyzing the gap between the two. Um, if you start from where we are now, you're not going to have a clear picture of what that gap looks like because right. that's going to color everything. So you got to put the reality aside for a moment in terms of that employee's performance and look at the organization's need as, as a whole. And that doesn't mean that we're, we're um, overlooking that employee as a, a person, right? One of the, the things I see business owners struggle with in this is that, well, I like this person, right? They're a great cultural fit. They're, they've become a friend. They've been working here, you know, right. so long. And, and, um, I don't want to, um, just leave them behind. Right. But once you do that analysis and you figure out whether it looks like they are really the right fit or not, um, you can take action on that. Maybe this person isn't the right fit for this role, but there's another role. Maybe they could go part-time and there's other things they'd want to pursue. Maybe they need to move on to a different organization where they can be a top performer and have more job security than always being kind of on the cusp of being let go. Right. So being honest about that is important. Right. That's a great answer. I love the, you know, the, I love the advice to put that context into place. What's the purpose of the role? And, and then ask whether, you know, whether redefining the role or having just B plus performance, you know, long-term is acceptable and just kind of not complaining about it anymore because we're just deciding to accept it uh, is, is the right thing to do or not. So really appreciate that. Uh, before we close out, maybe walk us a, one, one more quick summary through the four steps. Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, so step one, again, is um, addressing individual issues as they arise you want to make clear what the expectation is for how the employee should have handled something or done something, what actually happened, what's the shape of that gap, and then talk with them in a supportive way about how um, you can work together to help them meet that gap. The goal is to help them be successful. So that's a kind of coaching conversation, not a blaming conversation. Step two is where you're addressing a pattern, similar kind of mindset to how you're addressing it. You're um, identifying the pattern. You're saying, you know, here's what we need from you. Here's the expectation. Here's the pattern I'm seeing. Here's the gap between them. Um, and you want to mention specifically here that getting this pattern right is a, a crucial part of doing your job well. Mm -hmm. You want to say that out loud. 
and then um, again, have that supportive coaching conversation with them. You want to dive in and get to the root of the issue at this point, digging in. Why do we think this is happening? What are all the factors contributing to this? How can we work together to minimize or remove those factors so that you can meet this expectation and fix this pattern? So again, you're still working together as a team at this point. Step three is where you um, talk about this pattern being a very serious pattern that has not gotten fixed. You've talked about it. You've maybe coached them, worked with them, and it's still happening. And at this point, um, you're going to have to part ways if if this doesn't get fixed. This is becoming very serious. Um, and you're you're going to still want to approach this with the coaching conversation and, and a digging into the root issue conversation saying, do you think this is something you can fix? Can we help you fix this? Like what's going on here? Um, but again, making it very clear that their job is on the line at this point. Um, and again, looping in HR at this point, certainly, um, and following whatever internal HR policies and procedures you have. And then step four, of course, um, is that pattern, serious pattern has not gotten fixed. Um, you move to termination and obviously involving HR, possibly legal um, in that step as well. All right. Awesome. Lisa, this is super valuable, super practical. I mean, I, I think everybody has seen this in their mm -hmm. in their businesses with themselves and the way they treat other people, the way treat they treat team members. Uh, managers have seen this, owners of businesses, leadership team people, uh, or we've been on the other end of it where we've experienced uh, employers and bosses and managers who treated us this way, uh, you know, recently or in the past. So really, really, really practical. Super appreciate this. Yeah, happy to help. And I, one thing I want to add is if you find the idea of having these kind of conversations scary or intimidating, there are lots of resources out there to help you become more comfortable with them. Um, one book I've read that was really helpful is Crucial Conversations. Mm. There are lots of other resources as well, but um, this is an essential part of being a manager and an essential part of being a leader. So um, taking the time to learn how to do this better and get this right is really important. All right. Awesome. Great way to close out. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate this conversation. Thank you for making the time to talk today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Thanks, Ben. Awesome. My pleasure. And everybody else, we will see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.